Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 podcast and our weekly Friday show, uh, where we look back, forward and sideways at anything that takes our fancy. Uh, delighted to be joined today by the Daily Mail's Jack Gorn. Good morning, Jack. Morning, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's Friday, it's the weekend. How are you doing? Manche- Manchester's a bit miserable though, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, it's like, like saying grass is green, in a way. But I mean, it was all right earlier in the week, so... I mean, it's so mild, so, you know, cut of it all. Oh, well, I've not ventured out yet, so I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, well, it's climate, <laughs> climate change. Do you remember when it used to snow? <laughs> the good old days. The good old days, yeah, of three feet of snow. Uh, a long gone, so can't complain that much, I guess. Uh, how's your week been? It's been a bit weird that not playing midweek for City as well, so... No, you kind of, like, look at the... Fixture list coming up before the um, before their like little mini break in February, and you're thinking, well, they've got a, they've got a game every midweek until until then, and then the Champions League obviously restarts end of February. I think it's going to be pretty relentless from now until the end of the season. So it's been, I think everyone's taken the chance to kind of have a few days off, and I know Pet was giving the players two three days off um, on a kind of a ad hoc basis and saying don't. Don't bother coming into the training ground and just spend it with your families and go away for a few days and stuff like that. Well, yeah. Well, go to some bunga bunga parties, too. <laughs> was that this week? Well, that's, that's what I was doing earlier in the week. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Obviously, had your guest uh, jetted in, did you, from America? <laughs> 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 it's just a different lifestyle over there uh, yeah. in Didsbury. <laughs> uh, was that this week that they got some time off or? Because I know they're getting a complete break, aren't they? When that winter break comes, or yeah, so they're all so during the winter break, they're kind of been told that they can have uh, four or five days to do whatever they want, yeah. go on holiday, don't think about football, which I think is uh, quite a good idea because they, in the past, they've used um, three weeks to to go on warm weather training camps, yeah. um, and I know a lot of other clubs do that, uh, but I get the feeling this year that quite a lot of the Quite a lot of the Premier League teams are shunning the sun and and, and just giving giving players a, a rest yeah. because the the Christmas thing this year seemed to have been a bit more or the the problems around it seem to have intensified intensified and every every manager was moaning about it this year. Um, you know, you had the City had what forty six hours between games and Wolves had even less. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of like consternation about that. Um, but yeah, I think he's been. I think they got. I think they got a day or two this this week off, and then um, the week before uh, before the Man United game, De Bruyne, Rodri, and Fernandinho were told not to bother turning up to the uh, to the training ground and just have a bit of have a bit of time to themselves, which I think is quite good man management. Yeah, I assume a lot of them will still jet off somewhere. Yeah. Well, they go for the day now, don't they? <clears throat> for the day, they can yeah. go away for the day. Yeah, yeah. it's. I mean, it's like when. Um, when Aguero had that um, car accident in Amsterdam, yeah, uh, was that last year? A couple of years ago, I can't remember. Oh, um, probably a good he two was, years. Now, yeah, yeah, he was he was only there for the for the night. I think yeah. he was going for a gig and then getting the getting a jet back home. So that's, they all do it, don't they? It's yeah. Go to Paris or wherever just for a few hours. Yeah, I think the concerns when they said winter break is that every club would uh, immediately organise a. High glamour friendly, which uh, hasn't come to pass. Which I mean, the no, I think the Premier League, the Premier League, quite cool, yeah, the Premier League were quite good about that. 
or well, not good, but they were they were strong to start with. To say no commercial stuff, yeah. no oh, right. friendlies that you could earn money out of. Yeah. Okay, right. Let's crack on. Uh, you've written something this week about Jaden Breath, uh, young Dutch star, you know, a youth player. Uh, that obviously has uh, elicited some concern with the city fan base. That Leipzig, amongst others, perhaps, uh, are circling round him. Uh, interested in signing him I uh, just want to run us through what your piece said and what the situation is with him because he's obviously people uh, immediately just say the word Sancho immediately getting you know worried that we're going down the same road with uh, another youth player who will then make it big elsewhere uh, so what's what's the story about and what's the situation as far as you uh, see it um, well he's <coughs> he's a 17 year old winger who um, a lot of big clubs around Europe are watching closely. Um, it's kind of quite common now that German clubs will be over in England looking at uh, looking at the youth games because yeah. they they believe they can they can pick um, pick quite a few of the the top players um, who you know might be two or three years away from first team football in the Premier League and give them a chance in the Bundesliga. Uh, Wednesday night, Red Bull Leipzig were the were the ones watching him on Wednesday. Uh, although it's not as if it's not as if these clubs kind of fly German scouts over just for that. I mean, they'll have they have people on the ground in England that will go and watch games for them. Um, in a similar way to City would have yeah. scouts across the world that would would feed back in. Um, so Red Bull, yeah, Red Bull were there on on Wednesday. Uh, there are a few others that are. Um, monitoring what's going on with him it's a bit of a difficult one really he's obviously an exceptional talent and it's easy to draw comparisons with Sancho because he's such a similar player but I don't think anyone knows truly what his potential is yet I think he's played very well this year and is obviously a box of tricks and very very quick Um, but I saw after I put that story out yesterday quite a lot of City fans were getting pretty angry at the fact that the club weren't weren't playing him and weren't picking him and and it's he, you kind of got to take a step back a little bit and well he's 17 he's 17 he's not 18 till August why would um, they well this is the thing isn't it it's, do you believe uh, do you, well what I'm saying is it's not good enough to play for the first team he's not good enough as far as that what I've seen obviously I've not monitored him completely there's no reason apart from <coughs> contract and keeping him he hasn't deserved as I can see to make the bench yet or make the team so it's a question of whether we do this just to I mean it's not Pep's way in a way is it you know do you think City should take any blame for this or should they be putting players on the bench just to to make a point that they you know that they want to keep them or would that really make any difference anyway I don't think no. If he if he was to go tomorrow I don't think there'd be a massive amount of blame attached to Man City uh, given in Given his age, um, I I asked someone um, in kind of October before one of the EFL Cup games whether he might kind of have a chance, and it was it was very much no, it's it's too soon. Yeah. Um, and the, the the big indicator really was that he didn't go on tour. So normally with City, the players that the, the kids that go on tour are the ones that will be given a chance, and no matter how well you do mid season. Uh, if you don't go on tour, it's very, very unlikely you'll get an opportunity in first team games. Although that said, Braff has 
Braff has trained with the first team a couple of times and I don't think he's um, well he's obviously not done enough to kind of have yeah. that as a sustained um, experience I suppose yeah well I mean he only joined uh, I mean I, I just you know obviously want him to stay and I hope uh, nothing comes of this and he's contracted is he not to 2023 yeah yeah so, he is yeah so City can put the foot down or is his age means I don't know what, what's the situation with see with Sancho it got to the point I think with Pep as well <clears throat> He doesn't. He doesn't stand in the way of players. In a way, he doesn't want players who don't want to be here. So, do you think City would let him go if if he actually came to City and said he wanted to go to Germany? I think they probably would. And if if it did come to that, and it's important to stress that clubs are looking at him. No one's bid for him. Um, they're just interested in him at the moment. Yeah. But if it did, if it did become more serious, then uh, recent history dictates that City don't kind of stand in these players' way. Um, but Usually the deals, if they do them, are then heavily incentivised for City if they want to buy them back or they've got a massive sell-on clause. They kind of protect themselves. Um, and that was, you know, if 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 it became a more serious issue than it is now, then that's probably the way they'd look to do it. They did have a buyback or, or a sell-on clause. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hard. And you kind of write these stories and it is very interesting, but it's very early and he's very young and actually no one knows how good he's going to be yet. Yeah, I say he only joined. I just I look at this in quite a, a relaxed way because you lose some and you win some, and you know we signed Garcia, but then we lose someone like Braff, and then we lose Sancho, but we've, we may have signed a fifteen-year-old. <laughs> you know that no one's that won't really make the news. Uh, these players move on and on and on, and you, you know, and eventually some will stick and make it into our first team, like Garcia. Uh, and obviously, City supporting youth players like Foden or Howard Bellis are not likely to leave. But you know, he was at Ajax, was he not? And PSV, and he's only been here a year. And like in the same way that Sancho was not, you know, was at Watford. Uh, and these players move on, and some will slip through the net. But of course, as long as City do the right thing and try, you know, do give him an opportunity, should he uh, merit it, then. You know, what happens happens in a way and we're quite relaxed about that well players do move on even even when they're in their early teens I mean you look at Perveda who it looks likely that he's going to leave uh, this month if not this month definitely in the summer he's played so he's played for City now who signed him from Brentford yeah. um, and he'd been at Arsenal and Barcelona and I'm sure he'd been somewhere else as well by the time he was 15 mm. so these players you know the players do move on. Um, some, as you said before, Howard, some hit, some miss. Uh, it's just unfortunate for for City that the biggest miss was Sancho, um, and that's kind of a beat that people will st- uh, a stick people will beat them with now. Yeah, uh, I do wonder how many saw his rise being in that meteoric at the time he left. But I guess you don't know. No, I don't think they did. I mean, yeah. he did, he wasn't turning up to train him. He'd basically gone on strike, wanting first worst. Wanted first team football, which is absolutely fine. But at the time, he was a very, he was uh, he was a very young lad and was never going to get into the city team because of who was in front of him. So it was just one of those things that, yeah, maybe City could have uh, bowed to his whims a little bit, but they decided not to at the time. And we'll probably think in hindsight, it's for a kind of harmo- a harmony point of view in the first team. It's probably right not to. Not to give in to his to his demands. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it, the point in a way is, I don't, you know, he may be one of the standout youth players at the time, but I don't think his performances at youth level suggested that it was going to be this big a hit in the Bundesliga for big no. clubs so quickly. Well, everyone, everyone thought Brahim was the better player, didn't they, at the yeah. time? I guess it's only when you put them in the first team, you fa- then you discover just how good some players are. I mean, you know, Rashford at United, I don't think, was uh, was really, you know, catching huge amount of attention at youth level uh, until he went into the first team and took his opportunities. So, you know, in a way, you're going into the unknown with these players, but Rafa's not, you know, 17. You know, we're at that point now that, we're, we're, you know, the club should not be criticised because they're not playing a 17-year-old who shows some promise. Uh, no. I think, they, you know, and if he if he's got a problem with that, then that's the way it is. He'll move on again to yet another side. So, and uh, we'll move on and sign some more youth players, and you know some of them might make it through in the future. So, uh, right. but this is the thing that kind of sorry, the, yeah. Go. Someone like Braff doesn't have any loyalty to Man City. No, it's not like Howard Bellis is is going elsewhere or Tommy Doyle's going elsewhere. It's it's someone who's joined the club in 2018, and if he if he go, he'll, I don't think he'll kind of lose any sleep if if he was to eventually go. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's down to the player if he you know, puts his head down and he's looking at making the tour and making next season's squad and getting in cup games. Yeah, because then even the season after that, he'll still only be 19. Mm. So it's not as if he hasn't got time on his. Yeah, you know, to make his uh, breakthrough. So we will see anyway. Uh, a separate one. Uh, I'll say take this one with a pinch of salt. I'll take it with a, a barrel of salt. Uh, a report, might be in the Metro actually, that Sane is having second thoughts about leaving. Uh, now the cynic in me says I don't believe a single word of that. Have you heard anything at all, or is it <laughs> as you were as far as you're concerned? It's... I think because with the fan base, it's pretty much, he's going. <laughs> he's going in the summer, that's the end of it, we'll sign someone else. Yeah, it would be, um, it would take a drastic turn of events for him not to leave now, I think. Um, I certainly haven't been told what uh, similar information to what the, the Metro put out Um yesterday uh, and I noticed that the German journalists who are close to Bayern Munich were, were quick to say that everything's still on track and they'll, um, they hope to sign him in, in the summer. I think he's just taken his red that he's going to go now and City are trying to trying to find a suitable replacement. Yeah, so you've not heard anything about the, you know him being pleased with his treatment whilst he's been injured? I mean, I was always no, of the opinion... No, but I haven't asked, he, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was always of the opinion that if he was going to stay about within a month into his injury, he would have signed that contract. And if he didn't do it within the first month, then nothing's essentially changed, has it? So. No, but he can't. He holds all the cards because yeah. he's he's only got eighteen months left on his deal. He knows that if he were to run his deal down for argument's sake, then he'd have the pick of the clubs in Europe. Doesn't really need to sign anything. Um, but yeah, I think we've all been as a kind of pack. I think we've been treating it as. It's going to happen. No one's really been digging around to see whether things have changed because it was so far down the line in the summer with Bayern that it's expected that that'll just uh, they'll just pick that back up from where they left off. Um, and obviously, City City won't get anywhere near the 135 million or 140 million that they wanted last summer. Yeah, uh, but they would still expect to um, recoup quite a lot of money. Eighty, maybe. Yeah, I think if they can if they can double what they paid for him, I think that that'd suit them. Would they ever have got 130 million last summer? Then 
Uh, depends how desperate Bayern were. I mean, Bayern were adamant that they weren't ever going to pay that sort of money. Yeah. And because it was quite funny from the City end, it was yeah, it's hundred and thirty plus, and from the Bayern end, they were saying, "Well, we're not going to spend any more than eighty on one player." I think that was in Euros. Uh, so they were so far apart that it seemed odd that it was so far down it was. It seemed odd that it was so far down the line and expected that it was going to go and I, I sensed that they might have just met in the middle yeah um, but yeah if they, can, if they were able to get 80-90 for him with a year left on his contract I think they'd be very happy about that ok uh, is there any other transfer tittle tattoo you've heard or do you want to move on to the actual football uh, it's a very short answer um, no they definitely won't be signing anyone this, this window yeah and you've not heard much about. Obviously, they're going to go big in the summer. <clears throat> Have there been a lot of names banded about, or is it all very? No, hush-hush? it's quite. Um, it's quite hush hush. City. Um, City got a funny, uh, funny way of doing a transfer business in that uh, even people who work at the offices don't know who they're in for <laughs> because when the likes of Omar and Ferran uh, and Cheeky are talking about. A transfer target, they will call him, or they will label him by his number. So when they were talking about Rodri last February, March, he was called the number six. Right. It, even in the kind of main offices, which makes it uh, in the early stages of a of a transfer window or or a, or a season, it makes it very difficult to know exactly who they're after without speculating, really. Yeah. But they will. I think they'll. I mean, I wrote last month that he wants he wants upwards of well four. I think is the is the number uh, four and a new assistant manager would be quite a you know he'd be reshuffling his pack. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I find it weird that yeah they don't even uh, say the names. I guess they don't want it getting out. I assume. But, yeah. No, but it's they're going to great lengths to make sure it doesn't get out by not even mentioning their names when they're in each other's company. Mm. That makes Raheem 007 then, does it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll come back to him in a bit. I was going to say, not the moment. <laughs> yeah, not the moment, no. <clears throat> uh, right, let's look back then, uh, <clears throat> before we look forward. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, I think, I don't know what it is, if it's 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 11, uh, and the the one that doesn't, you know, the exception to the rule is the defeat at Wolves, which had its mm. own story to tell there <coughs> and circumstances. Do you think City are back to their best form now? Or did the Villa game not tell us much because of the opposition and how passive they were? Um, I think generally I don't think Villa told us a great deal, but the last six weeks probably has. Um, they seem to... I don't think they're back to their Best, and I also don't think they were playing quite as badly as people were making yeah. making out. Um, I mean, there were elements during the bad run um, where you looked at it and thought De Bruyne is carrying this team, and there was a there was a real problem uh, in the final third and finding the, finding a final pass. And I was talking to someone about this the other day. There's only one team in the Premier League who have taken more shots from outside the area than Man City. Mm. Which I think is a staggering stat. Yeah. Given the way that they want to play, and they over the past three years they've scored so many goals where it's been to the byline and cut back, and someone's just tapped it in. They've they've taken more than 130 shots from outside the box, and the wow. only team more is United. Yeah. 
which I was um, I was very surprised by. Um, but it probably tells you a little bit about the struggles they've been having in the final third throughout the season. Um, but I think over the last few weeks they've they've I don't know they've things have just clicked at the right time in matches. I think that final pass has been found where um, in the recent past it probably hasn't hasn't been found and they've not unlocked teams. Uh, but I th- quite quite a lot of the poor results have been by the odd goal, and most of the time that's not really been down to the city's defending. It's been down to not um, pressing home their territorial advantage earlier in the game. I think, mm. whereas they've been doing that more recently. So has that much changed? Do you think, or is it just a, is it just a, the odd player coming <clears throat> into form? A bit more solidity at the back, or is it tactical tweaks that you think have made this difference? Or was was the wobbles before just part of football that was never going to sustain itself in the long term? Yeah, I think. Well, I think the wobbles before it was widely accepted, certainly at the club, that these things do happen, and this is football, and it's very hard to go again, particularly when they've got such uh, where well, they've got a rival that wins every week. Yeah. I mean if, if Liverpool weren't as um proficient at picking up three points every week, then City's season looks okay. Yeah. If Liverpool are having a normal season, you go, Well City's still got a chance of winning a title, this is alright, they're they're over the kind of sticky patch. They can go into this running and they've got a real chance of winning a third consecutive title. As it is, Liverpool have only dropped two points or whatever it is this season. Um and people look at it as oh well City have failed where they haven't they've kind of come over the hump a little bit and they'll probably look at the the nine wins out of the last ten with Wolves kind of as you said a, a case on its own and if they can continue that going into February when the Champions League kicks off again they'll think we're not in a bad position to, to have a real tilt at big trophies yeah uh just look at a couple of players then. Uh, I'll say going in opposite directions, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's really the question. Uh, John Stones back in the side. Uh, been a forgotten man quite a lot of the time. Plenty of criticism for... Well, he's, obviously injuries have not helped him, but consistency. Uh, you know, he's fit now. He's back available. He's been getting some pitch time. Do you see a brighter future for him, or do you think the next four months could define whether he has a future at City? You know, is he entering a key part of his career now to prove himself? Yeah, he's. this is a really key part of his career now. But I am delighted for him that he's back playing a bit more regularly. He's had a really, really tough 12, 18 months. Some of it his own doing, some of it not. Um things away from away from the pitch haven't haven't helped him at all and have affected affected him a little bit more than people probably realize he start someone said to me a couple of months ago before he picked up that injury uh, ahead of christmas they said because i asked how he was around the training ground yeah and someone said we can feel him kind of walking a little bit taller and walking with his you know, he's got his chest out a little bit more, and it seems to be like the old John Stones is back, and he seems to have overcome his issues to a certain extent, and he's focusing on his football. Yeah, he's got that kind of he's refound his pride a little bit, and then he got injured. So it's that's 
been you know the the problems have been two pronged with stones i mean there's the personal stuff and the and the injuries and that's even before you get to in and out form really um but i genuinely believe if he can get a proper run of games under his belt yeah and start playing consistently and consistently well then we might see the stones of the first title win yeah because he would I say this all the time. He was great that season. Yeah, people kind of forget, don't they? I mean, it's two years ago now, um, and it's not really talked about how how good he was that year. Yeah. So for you, it is about all on the pitch now. You know his future, and obviously he's got all players have a goal, which is the summer international tournaments. Well, most of them will, uh, and that's surely his goal because his place in that England team must be under threat at the moment. Yeah, but I think he's. I, th- I mean, I. D- not profess to kind of know what he's thinking, but you would you'd think that his main goal would actually be just solidifying his place in this team to start with, yeah. and then anything England-wise, Euros-wise, then if that comes afterwards, then great. But the the most important thing is to make sure that he's in this team most weeks, uh, and he refine or recaptures his his best form. And he the, obviously he was linked to Arsenal earlier in the week. Um, and he does share the same agent as Mikel Arteta, uh, but City are adamant that he'll, he will go absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Arteta's obviously come out since and said that he's he wasn't actually interested in him. But Stones, is, I think Stones got two and a half years left in his contract. Yeah, can't see him going anywhere. And the crucial thing, he's homegrown as well. Yeah, this is not the time to be loaning out a central defender. No, no. Uh, however, yeah. However, up and down this form may have been in the past uh, year or two. Uh, the team was said to play much better. Nine out of ten. I've seen Mares really grow into his into that city shirt. Uh, Sergio, enough said. Uh, Defence looks more compact with tactical tweet, uh, tweaks, not tweets. Uh, but there's one player that seems to be going in the opposite direction, and that's Raheem Sterling. Now he had no. No break from football, so I was really glad he got a week off recently and missed two games. And I thought, he's probably knackered. Came back and had one of his worst games ever. Uh, do you see a, a long-term when we with his form, or is this just <coughs> guy again playing too much football? Sterling's always had the confidence to come back from any knocks, on or off the field. Is this just a short-term issue for you? Because his, his problems on the pitch are really exacerbating what his weakness has been historically which is you know a lack of composure in front of goal I mean for for all his many many talents he's not a, a killer in front of goal or a natural striker mm. not that that's his position anyway are you, are you would you you know as a City fan would you be worried about his form at the moment or is it just another little bump that a player's going through um, well I'd actually disagree with you I don't think it is a bump he's got Three goals in his last six important games. Yeah. And he's got five in seven, if you include the Oxford game. I think the, the I main think, issue... Sorry, I like you finish, but it's just the overall performance when you watch matches has been definitely taken a dip in the last six Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. He has, he's, he's dipped. I think that is... There's two things with that. A, the expectancy levels are now through the roof with him. Everyone expects him to score in every single game, which he expects of himself. And the second thing is, I think it's a little bit self-inflicted in that he's trying to... I've noticed in the last... Probably throughout the season, actually, 
that he's trying to score a perfect goal when he's coming in off the left. Yeah. So he'll try and he'll cut in from the left, and there's like a there's a little window of opportunity for him to to bend one into the far corner, and he'll choose to go beyond the next defender, and you go right, okay, we'll shoot, and then he'll try and go beyond the next one, and he'll try and take on about three players in the opposition's box before then shooting and most of the time well I think all of the time he's the opposition have robbed the ball off him at the last minute and you're like well why, why are you not just putting your foot foot through it it seems I don't really understand why he's he's done that consistently um, it's been a little bit confusing um, and the other I suppose the other thing is that in October and I was guilty of writing about this that Goals in the calendar year in September October time were astonishing. Yeah, like he was ahead of Messi. Uh, I think he was like number number three in Europe, and one of the top one of the other top three was playing in a not a great league. Um, and I think those kind of personal milestones and those personal numbers are something that he he does look at and he does think about, and you just wonder whether he's. Instead of picking that final pass, he's he's I don't know he's trying to dribble around a few people and, and score himself, um, which is you could argue is great for a for an attacker or or a striker because you want them to be greedy. But I just noticed that there has been a little bit of a shift in the final with his game in the final third, which will probably be ironed out fairly soon. But as I said before, he still scored three in, three in his last in his last six, and I think it is just that. People believe that he is genuinely one of the top five, six, seven players in the world, and they, he he should be scoring fifty goals a calendar year now. Yeah, I mean, obviously the team helps him, uh, but he does have this. It's a shame if he was if he was a killer. They've said it about a million players in you know during down the decades that uh, the there's a million forward attacking players that are. At their best in front of goal, when they don't have to think about it, is the phrase he used. And I don't know if, well, I'm saying it comes under that that you know when it's natural when you just swing your leg. But sometimes it's just it's just recently, especially it's just so anxious. It's like it's like me playing badminton and it's in <laughs> shuttlecocks in the air for so long that I swing and I've swung before it's even got to me. And he seems to swing his leg at the you know too early or too late, and it's just mm. like snatching at uh, chances and balls that come across and it's playing on his mind and it exacerbates itself but as I say he's so mentally strong and it's that that's the that I've no doubt it's a short term problem and I, I as think I said, said on a podcast before this week even within games in the past when he's missed a chance he's never hid never he's always back and he'll probably score a goal there 10 minutes later so I don't think yeah I think we'll soon see the normal Raheem Sterling back anyway I think that the anxious nature of his finishing is is part of what I was saying before about the landmarks and the milestones and wanting to hit a certain amount of goals. He re- he has targets and he really wants to hit them and that kind of can prey on your mind a little bit and you yeah. can get a bit fidgety, can't you? Yeah. And I, I do. I, th- I think that is having an effect on him. But yeah. as Asan right, you know, as Asan said the other day, is he does never shirk. He does never hide, and you saw that. You saw that at Wolves with the penalties. Yeah, and the thing with the city side, anyway, it's like 
one player has a dip, or someone like Sergio Aguero gets uh, injured. Gabriel Jesus does score some goals. Uh, Ryan Sterling hit a dip, uh, just as you know, Riyad Mahrez is really beginning to settle into his role. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, the thing with this squad is there's always someone ready to. It might be bad news, so I mean, the players will always get the chances again. You know, players of that level in the game will always get the chances, but uh, there's always someone ready to step in and you know, stake their claim for a more regular place. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, we're going to preview the City match, of course, this weekend, but we always on the Friday show look at another match over the weekend. Uh, interesting. Quite interesting. A lot of even games this weekend. Now, the obvious one, and we're not doing it, is Liverpool against United because I think we've talked enough about them in the past previous shows that no one, you know, because City are having to go at Ole, uh, who masterminded the cup triumphs during the week. But, you know, we've said all we need to say, really. Uh, just very briefly, are you assuming a, a comfortable home victory there? Uh, yeah, I am, yeah. I, c- I can't see United getting anything there. Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's. I mean, they are. They are. United are very good when they um, set up not to lose the game, uh, as we've seen against the uh, against the other top six teams this year. Um, but I just I think Liverpool will be be too strong for them. I, I don't think United are defensively good enough, and I don't think they'll see. Um, I don't think they'll be able to turn Liverpool over in midfield the way they've been able to turn other teams over. No, nor will they have the space and the counter-attack. Mm. I don't know. Especially if Rashford's out. Uh, well, the game I've chosen instead, then, is Arsenal-Sheffield United, which I think is a three o'clock on uh, Saturday afternoon. Is it? I think so, yeah. Uh, oh. Would have been quite a... How traditional. I've uh, got Burnley-Leicester at two o'clock on the Sunday, but Watford-Spurs. Uh, yeah, it's three o'clock. Newcastle-Chelsea is the late game. I'd rather have watched this one. I won't be watching that. No, or any of them, to be honest. No. Uh, first question then, quite an interesting. Arsenal are almost evens to win this, uh, which is, you know, if pre-season you probably wouldn't have had those odds. You know, you think, what on earth's happened that's got us to 17th of January and the promoted side are, you know, Arsenal at home to promoted side are almost evens. But do you think, from what you've seen so far, is, do you think Arteta's already showed that it was a good appointment for Arsenal? Or is it too early to say it either way? Um, I think it's probably a little bit too early. Um, the, 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 I, I always find it interesting when, and this was the same when Pep came to City as well, in that when a new manager that has different ideas comes into a club, everybody, which I include media and supporters in this, becomes instantly fascinated with everything that they do. Yeah. So Arteta's like tweaked a little bit in training and it's become massive news. Yeah. He's had a go at he's had a go at the players at half time of the of the Leeds game in the cup. It's massive news. Oh yeah. this is you know this is this is exactly what Arsenal needs, you know. Um they're gonna turn a corner under him. And they might well do long term. and I hope they do because I think I like Arteta and I think he's a he's a fantastic coach and he's a nice nice fella. But what do people think Unai Emery was doing in his first few weeks? Yeah. Um, it you know what do people think that Manuel Pellegrini was doing when he turned up at Man City? Things change, but at the moment Arteta is quite a fashionable, fashionable guy to talk about and to write about and to discuss. So everything he does will be 
uh, amplified, I think, um, and the public perception of him has uh, been heightened, I suppose, or, or has increased in a in a positive fashion because of the Amazon documentary. Um, the people who might, maybe didn't watch it at the time have, have, have watched it now because Arteta has become more relevant to what they're interested in and have seen the tricks of the or his tricks of the trade and what he does, um, which has led to people. Uh, devoting quite a lot of time to talking about the the sort of manager that he is, but I mean, you look, you watch Arsenal play. I've seen him play a couple of times the last few weeks, and yeah, there is an improvement, and they are pressing a bit more, um, and they look more coherent going forward. But yeah. there are those, there are still fallacies there, which uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he's able to correct them, particularly at set pieces, because set pieces was his. His baby last year and City, uh, yeah, struggled, struggled from set pieces, and that was his, that was his main, well, not his main job, but one of his main jobs last season. No, I th- yeah, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. To be honest, I've seen stuff. You know, I think, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, you know, I've seen the stuff he's brought to City on the replicate on the pitch with Arsenal, but then you know, and I kind of excused him a bit, saying well, he's probably not got the players he wants to. To, you know, to carry out his philosophy and that will take time but then his biggest battles are probably ahead of him you know, yeah yeah he needs to he needs to correct the defence doesn't he and and he needs another midfielder yeah uh, and he needs them to start playing for 90 minutes but it's not just I think, ta- it's not just tactical stuff it's how he deals with a dip or a bad run of form or how he deals with players who are causing him grief and you know all the stuff like that we just don't know whether he's you know if he can pull this team through, or how mentally tough he can make the team as well, which mm. is an Arsenal probably a stereotype Arsenal thing to say, uh, but it's certainly been a problem away from home for them for years now. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's a, a wait and see with him. I mean, you kind of you watched him on the on the touchline uh, when he took charge of the Leon game last year uh, and the Champions League game when Pep got sent well. off. The, yeah, yeah, and the. the the second half of the, the game when Pep got sent off last uh, the, the season before them and people were questioning his charisma and his man management and why is he not kind of why is he not bellowing at the players why is he just stood there and I think he's answered those critics quite quickly at Arsenal particularly I, I know it's I know they're playing a team in a championship but they were but they were passed off the part the first half against Leeds yeah and he, he he made sure that he turned that around and you're seeing him a bit more animated on the touchline since taking that job so I'm quite pleased for him that he's been able to just answer those critics quite quickly um, and then as we said he's kind of he, he's now got to move on and um, correct bigger issues at Arsenal and I think in 12 months time we'll have a fair idea of, of whether he is genuinely a, a pep light or not yeah I'm of the opinion the player football players never listened to a word a bellowing manager on the touchline has ever said anyway uh, no, I never did. I'm not sure how you can play a game of football whilst listening to, uh, or yeah, frantic hand arm movements as if they're directing a uh, a plane into the <laughs> terminal. I, don't know. I mean, really, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't think it. People, people, yeah, you know, a lot of managers are criticised by fans, aren't they, for just sitting there and doing nothing? But 
I'm guessing that you know you have to change the whole shape. It just shouting on the touchline, I doubt has much effect. To be honest, uh, or for, I mean, except you can... for telling the player not to go forward or telling him to stay back, but beyond that, I'm not sure what else they can do. You know, drawing a match. Well, you you did all just got to follow um, Solskjaer's masterclass, don't they? And handing handing notes on, yeah, handing notes on to say, give Dan James the ball. <laughs> Yeah, score goals. Uh, amazing. Try not to concede. <laughs> was that what they actually said? Yeah, I, I think the, no. I think the note was said something like, "Make sure you kind of get get James on the ball and find find spaces for him." Yeah, right. yeah. which I'm not sure why that needs to be written down. But yeah, it'll go far. <laughs> uh, Sheffield United. Nice easy question for you. What's been their secret? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. You know what? There is. Uh, this is going to sound like a real cop-out answer and it's not to do Sheffield United or Chris Wilder down at all. Yeah. But I think it's the attitude of the squad. Yeah. And I think it's the harmony within that group that Wilder's... Wilder had, like, more than two-thirds of that squad last season in the Championship. Um, there's been a continuity in team selection. Everybody knows the role tactically because... That's yeah. by and large how they played last year, and they've changed. They've changed the midfield a little bit, which has meant that um, John Lundstrom has has actually played this season, where he didn't actually play that much when they went up last year. Um, so he's been the real surprise package. Uh, everyone talks about the overlapping centre halves and everything else, but he's got players that work really hard for him. Um, and I know this this does sound really cliche, but they like challenge for everything. They never give up. They head everything that comes into the box, um, and they've got good football players. The midfielders are really good on the ball, and the strikers they own are quite unheralded. Particularly David McGoldrick, but he kind of links links play really, really well, which is I think has come as a surprise to people who have, who have watched him um, at other clubs over the years. And Wilder is just getting a tune out of every single one of them, and they've got a good and they've got a very good goalkeeper yeah. who, although has cost them a, a few points this year. Is, I think he's kept more clean sheets than, than anyone else in the league. And he's a really solid guy to have behind a, a back three who are going to give up chances. Yeah. Well drilled, I think, is what I yeah. I know, I this is the thing, it sounds, but it's, it sounds patronising, doesn't it, when you say they'll, you know, they've got a lot of energy and they work hard and whatever, but sometimes the fundamentals, are they get you far. Yeah. The and if you, if, you add to, if you add a bit of... Attacking flair into that which they do have, um, and a bit of tactical now, which Wilder has in spades, and there's no reason why they, they can't finish in, in the top half. I mean, they will, they'll drop off, won't they? Because I think every promoted team apart from Wolves last year have, have dropped off second half of the season, but I think they still finish, um, still finish up and mid table. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, uh, I'm going to nick a a point or question that we made on the League Matters show with stage during the week we're discussing Aston Villa in a way are, are they benefiting he did kind of touch on this from the fact Aston Villa was saying like Fulham the season before if it was the season before uh, lose track of time are suffering by bringing in huge numbers of players do you think Sheffield United are they've obviously bought some players in like McBurney himself who scored last week but are they are they suffering? They're not suffering, prospering because while just trusted 
the players that got them into this division in the first place. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, but as added in areas where he knew that he needed to add. So obviously they had Henderson last year, but they needed to re-sign Henderson. Um, and he knew that goals were going to be a problem. So he yeah. went out and spent quite a lot of money on attacking players. Uh, McBurney cost a, ridic- a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, a stupid think. amount of money, really. For a championship player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the only the only other striker I can remember from the championship coming up to the Premier League that cost quite that much in the last few years was Chris Wood at Burnley who cost yeah. about 15 and he's and that's been proven to be a shrewd sign and he scores kind of 10 goals 10 goals a year for them which keeps them up um, and the same I mean McBurney I don't know how many McBurney's got he probably won't get to that many um, but they're spreading the goals around a little bit the midfielders are chipping in Lundstrom, Norwood and Fleck have got about 10 between them already this year Um but yeah, I think it's it's about adding bits and bobs and a bit, little bit of quality rather than buying a whole new squad. Yeah, and Villa Villa made a real Villa were talking about Fulham last summer. They said, "Oh, we're signing X, Y, and Z." Obviously, spent a lot of money. I think they spent over a hundred, didn't they? Yeah, but we're not doing we're not doing a Fulham. So, well, if you're talking about not doing a Fulham, then it must be in the back of your mind you might be doing a Fulham. Yeah. Well, I counted 12 whilst we're doing the show you know, online. Uh, 12 for money signings that they've made. So it's just a number. It's not just the amount they spend, it's the number of players that come in that kind of undermines the players who got yeah. them there in the first place. Yeah. Now, of course, they went through, they finished a lot lower than Sheffield United. So maybe it's easy to trust the Sheffield United players who I don't, did they win the league, I think? No, Norwich might have won it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Villa finished fifth, went up through the playoffs and. Lost a few loan players, so they did have to do some. That's what I was going to say. The the loans are the. I don't. I actually don't know how many loan players they had last year. Villa. Yeah. Quite a few. But even yeah. so, twelve is too many. It is. Yeah. Uh, how do you see this game going then? Um, I think Arsenal nick it. Sheffield United just hitting a little bit of a little bit of a dip, but they are playing. They have been playing very good teams recently. Obviously lost to City and Liverpool. And before the City game, they'd not actually lost an away match for uh, 12 months. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which, Sod's law is that you kind of lose one and then you probably go and lose two or three in quick succession. So I think, yeah. they, I think yeah, I think Arsenal will probably have too much for them because they look, uh, Arsenal look more threatening going forward at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Right, let's move on. Uh, we'll finish... I was going to ask Nick another question, but we're probably running out of time. That Aston asked on the league show was who finishes higher out of Arsenal, United, and Spurs this this season? Do you want a quick? Give a one sentence prediction. Uh, United. Yeah, I, mean, I think I, they, I think they've got enough. I think United have got enough to win that mini battle, but in the grand scheme of things, they don't have enough, which is a sad indictment of the other two yeah. clubs. Well, what they've got right now is a head start, so the four yeah, ahead of yeah. I don't know if it's Spurs and six ahead of Arsenal or the other way around, so that'll probably be enough for them. Of course, they've got Liverpool this week. Uh, right, let's look forward to uh, the game uh, Saturday, three pm. A rare beast. Oh, it feels like it anyway. Uh, a bit of a strange one. This obviously uh, dark memories of uh, this game last <laughs> season when didn't go. 
in any shape or form how I expected it to. If I remember correctly, Gundogan put City ahead in the first half. Uh, this was last season, wasn't it, over Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I say, I've just the last three, some of the games just they kind of melt into a, you know, all the others in the last mm. few years. So, uh, yeah, I think Gundogan put us ahead, and then it all went horribly wrong. Though there was one of the goals of the seasons from Townsend. Uh, it was penalty second half, a fluke by De Bruyne. Couldn't bring it back, 3-2 home defeat. And that was over Christmas time and the Leicester defeat as well when it all looked terrible. Uh, Palace of this season are the lowest scorers. They're in ninth, but they're the lowest scorers in the league. And yet they've got conceded fewer league goals than City. So it's what we're we expecting. What have you made of Palace this season? They're just... The same, in a way. I mean, the the, the carried uh, the away form carried them last season. But have you seen much of them this season? Or they they didn't. I've only I, I had mm. them down as relegation candidates because they didn't really strengthen during the summer. Then they started quite well and I looked stupid. But I think they've tailed off a bit now, and they do struggle for goals. Uh, so yeah, are they a different team? Do you think from previous seasons? No, they play. They play four five one every week, don't they? It doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah, um, there's a lot of pressure on IU to get the goals. I think he's got six at the moment, and Zahar's next on three. Um, and the, probably the the best example of where Palace are and what how they've been is that James MacArthur has got more assists than anyone else, and he's got two for the season. Yeah, which suggests that the goals that they are scoring have come from ricochets off defenders or knockdowns from corners uh, and I don't know I, I think that's to me suggests that they never really have a proper pattern of play um, and I would expect them to to finish kind of where we were expecting them to lower yeah. mid table um, but I've only I've only seen them live twice this year against uh Obviously, against City at Sellers Park, where I thought they were they were okay um, in the last fifteen minutes. Edison had a really good, really good um, end to that game. Really strong end. Yeah. Uh, made two very good saves. Was that City what he, had... he saved from uh, Benteco from the corner? I think. Yeah, there was a, was there a th- was there a long throw in that coming as well that he made it. He made he definitely made two very good stops. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so obviously saw so on that that day. Um, and then had had previously seen them at Old Trafford, where which was game number two of the season or three, it's definitely in August, and they were great, really, really good. And I, I thought, and oh what? god, they've got a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I think they've got a bit of power here. Yeah. Um. But it's kind of trailed off a little bit uh, in recent weeks. Don't know why that is. Not got the biggest squad of the other. They've had a, a few injuries. They're missing Milohojevic uh, again this weekend because he's still suspended. It'll be a big miss. And they play. So they play this five midfield with three central midfielders, but they only seem to have three central midfielders without Milohojevic. Yeah. Uh, so they're quite. Um, they're, they seem. They seem from the outside looking in to be quite stretched. Um, but I, I, even though the home form's picked up recently, you would still say that they are more suited to playing away, particularly if Zahar turns it on. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the results. It's like it's one all, 
one all, one all, two one win, one nil lost, one all, nil nil, one nil win, nil two, lost two on home to Liverpool, two nil. You know, they're not, they don't get thrashed, they don't thrash others. Does this tell us how? What sort? Is this going to be a slug for City? Is what I'm probably leading up to? Uh, is it going to be a tight, niggly game because of the way Crystal Palace seem to play nowadays? I suppose it's similar to what we were saying before about the about City's run of form. In that, if they were playing this game six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, you'd look at it and go, oh, "I'm not sure whether they'd be able to break them down." You know? Yeah. Because as we were saying, struggling with the final pass. Etc. Etc. Now, I would, if I was putting a fiver on it, I'd say it'll follow the same pattern as it as the home games against these sort of teams have over the last couple of years. In that City get an early goal, maybe get a second, and then the game's won and they're just seeing it out. Do you, do you think just because of the way they're playing, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it matters who turns up to the Etihad at the moment. Right. Well, do you think Pep? Might go through it, but you know, think about how Pep will line up for this. Do you think uh, he'll want to get those wide, you know, wing backs rather than full backs and three at the back again? Is a possibility this weekend? Yeah, I think so. Um, or he might do, he might play that four that he played against United last week with Rodri dropping in and then making the making the full backs do a lot of work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think if I was guessing, uh, I'd say that he'd probably do a similar thing to to the United game uh, last week. And I don't know how I don't know how they're going to try and deal with Zaha, who plays off the left. I don't, if they were to play a back three, then is the central is the central defender playing on the right hand side going to be the one that picks up Zaha when Palace break, or is then that going to be down to Walker or Cancelo? It'll be interesting yeah. to see how they how they deal with that. Um, but they're so good that you'd say, right? I don't know. Would you, would you say to your, your fullbacks, go and press as high as possible and make the likes of Zaha come and follow you? Yeah. Well, that will be his concern. Right? That the he's yeah, he's weeded out the the counter attack issue mostly uh, in recent months. But Zaha will be his concern of how to deal with him. Otherwise, he'd probably go. <laughs> Gunko at Crystal Palace. To be honest, I think it's the only concern. They, they have such a lack of a goal threat a lot of the time. Yeah, I, th- I genuinely think it's the only concern. I mean, Max May has been playing a little bit more often. Uh, I think um, definitely started against Arsenal, but I don't think he's massively. He's not really quick, is he? Um, yeah. Not someone that will really, really frighten you in behind. So Zaha is basically the only one that they, they need to be worried about. You would expect two of the centre halves to be able to deal with Jordan Ayew. Yeah, he's done done well, and he'll work his socks off. But they're not going to shape his team formation around worrying about him. Yeah. No, it, it feels like one of those games that Palace get rid of it from their own third. It gets to the halfway line and then comes back straight straight away, and that is becomes the kind of pattern of play. I think that'll happen from. The first minute, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, a cheeky question. Is our recent tactical flexibility, and I shouldn't laugh, because uh, I don't, you know, it's tongue in cheek this, but there is a reason I ask it. Uh, recent tactical flexibility and improvement in results, is it linked anywhere with the departure of Arteta? Which is not me suggesting Arteta was no good. It means 
a freshening of ideas is where I'm suggesting with this. Oh, I thought you meant that Arteta had a gun to his head saying we must play 4 3 3. No, he's um, getting different <laughs> advice now and he's getting. I don't know, we don't know what. You know, he's getting different advice and maybe trying things that he might not have done because of the different relationship he had with Arteta beforehand. But. I don't think he's getting different advice, I think he's getting less advice. Yeah. Uh, it's him and Burrell now, isn't it? And um, the, uh, the set-piece coach is becoming a little bit more prominent around the around the training ground and uh, uh, on match days as well. Um, I think maybe because there's not that proper forum of ideas at the moment, you wonder whether Pep's just taking a few more risks yeah. and isn't being talked down from things. Because Arteta's a stronger, a stronger number two than Burrell is, right. um, and Arteta's a, a, a louder voice. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe the, I mean, we're laughing about it, but maybe that maybe there is something to that that Pep's going it going it alone a little bit, um, a little bit more, and obviously doesn't have Mikel there to, to bounce ideas off as much, and Burrell's Burrell's apparently an exceptional coach uh, yeah. but I don't know I don't know what he's what he's like when he's discussing things with Pep uh, what I would say is that Pep's wanted to play a back three for years yeah um, he's he was talking about playing a back three in, in his first few weeks in charge he's not really to be fair to him he's not really had the players to do it until now I don't think because uh, of injuries and loss of form or whatever else I mean They've not really been able to do it because of the left back situation, and now the positive thing is that Mendy does appear to be getting himself there. Yeah, uh, I mean, people love to have a go at Mendy, and I think part of that is down to the to how us in the media have reported him uh, or reported steps. on him. Yeah. yeah, and he is taking those baby steps, and I think he's really realised over the summer that this is not. It's not about getting back to fitness and bang right in the team. It's more, as you say, the baby steps and just calm down. It's a long-term thing. It's very difficult to come back from two... Well, it's difficult to come back from one knee injury, let alone two. Uh, and then there's all the kind of baggage, baggage that goes with him. Um, but I've, I've been quietly impressed with him recently. And even the, even the Wolves game before... I mean, the mistake was a horrendous mistake, but mm. it, before that, I thought he played really, really well against Traore. Yeah. Um, so he's doing all right, but they, given that he's improving each week, it gives them more options on the left-hand side. Um, and I think him doing well means that they're able to play a back three more often. Uh, and also the emergence of Garcia gives them more, op- more options at, at the back uh, in a back three to kind of shuffle it about he's not you know if Garcia hadn't put himself put his hand up and put himself forward and showed he was capable of playing first team football I don't they wouldn't be able to play a back three I don't think because yeah. you're looking at Fernandinho Stones and Otamendi and how many times this season have all three of those been A fit and B banging form yeah okay well uh, time to wrap it up so I'll kind of finish with the impossible question <laughs> do you have any idea what who he will play in this match who will pick for this game uh, a few 
bullet points. Is there a chance Sergio Jesus play again, or will it just be together, both of them, or just one of them? Uh, is this a chance for Raheem Sterling to be picked and get back into form, or will he stick, you know, with players in form? And is there any point? Is he even trying to uh, suggest who plays uh, in a lot of positions on this pitch? No, I've got to predict the team later today. Um, huh, good luck. Unfortunately, after the press conference, although he gives nothing away in the press conference yeah. anyway. Uh, the first one, I think Aguero play it. Ooh. No, I'm going to say Jesus plays and Aguero plays at Sheffield United. Right. Um, Jesus on his own. What was the second question? Well, I mean, just pick any part of the pitch. I mean, does Phil Foden play? Would he put Raheem Sterling back in? We don't know if he's going to play a back three. Would it Cancelo or Walker? I mean, I could go on for ages. Yeah, I'd play Foden. I would play Foden because uh, I'm unsure whether he'd play Foden on Tuesday, so I'd play him tomorrow. Um, Jesus, we've covered. Sterling, yeah, I think Sterling will be back in. Uh, oh, God, this is hard. I know, you've got Bernardo not starting. Bernardo. David Silva did well, but I don't think he'll start, so. Um, Bernardo, oh God. We picked I, 13. I would say just go to the press conference, then just stick a pen into some <laughs> into a list of names and go with that. So. I try and take great pride in at least getting nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not necessarily in the right positions, but no. at least if the name's on the team sheet, then. I know it's just I just send I just send a collection of names into work now and just say do whatever you want with it uh, as long it's as Edison's between those sticks and the rest of it's fine I'm not bothered yeah uh, yeah I mean who knows it's just impossible to predict this one probably one of the most difficult ones to predict all season I think because uh, generally fit squad unless we find out something at the press conference later obviously Laporte who will not expect to see for a good two weeks yet. No. I wonder whether he'll he might be... Bench, m- yeah, I wonder whether Fulham might be his comeback. Right. There's no... I mean, surely we're targeting him being fully fit and confident by the end of February, you know, for the Champions League. So, uh, that's his... Absolutely no rush whatsoever. I assume he'll just keep training for now. Maybe, I don't know, the odd behind-closed-doors gentle game here mm. and there until mm. he feels ready to step on the pitch and start on the bench so yeah uh, right uh, finish off score prediction um, 4-0 City oh, I'll go 3-0 uh, which not often I predict a clean sheet but we will see <laughs> uh, right I think we've covered everything uh, Jack thanks very much for coming on the show today nice one thank you very much for having me yeah uh, thanks for listening everyone hope you all have a great weekend including watching City uh, if you've liked what you've heard today and don't subscribe, uh, do give it a go. We've got plenty more shows. We have reviews, previews, history shows, quizzes, and a lot more besides. Uh, but until next time, goodbye, everyone, and as always, up the blues.